Now this morning is, is going to look a little different. Today we're really going to focus in on, on worshiping together. Now I don't know where, where you might be at in your faith today. Maybe things are, are going well. And this can just be a time to come and to offer thanksgiving to God for the life that he's given you and the, and the life uh, that, that he's allowed you to lead. Or maybe you're in a place where it just took everything in you to even get here this morning and you just need a time to fall into the arms of a God who loves you and cares for you and longs to just be with you. And so whatever it may be, you are, are in the right place today. And I want to encourage you to set aside whatever else might be on your mind and just focus in on, on worshiping Him. God desires our worship. He desires that we come in both the good times and the bad times and truly acknowledge and honor Him. And so today, I just don't want this to be a time where we just go through the motions. Now, this week I had a moment, one of those moments where you just kind of are overcome with anxiety. It seemed like, again, there was just a lot going on this week. You know, we had another shooting in that hospital in Tulsa, and it just hit a little closer to home for me. That was a hospital that I used to work at when I was in high school, and I have many friends that continue to work there and people that were connected to the victims there. And then I found out that same day I had an uncle that uh, had been dealing with a, a long battle with dementia that, that passed away. And just thinking about that disease, for those of you that know loved ones that might be struggling with things like that, you know how just debilitating that can be and just the slow process of decline that that is. And it's one of those things that just makes you question, like, why does this happen to good people? And then even just the month of June, as a Christian, every single year, it just... I just sometimes don't know how to respond. We have a whole month now that our culture dedicates to just revealing, reveling in living apart from how God desires for us to live and living not in the truth that he provides for us. And sometimes as a Christian, I struggle with knowing how to respond to those things. And all of that just combined to just this overwhelming feeling of anxiety, and, and I just had to find some time to stop and to pray and to refocus on what it is that God is calling me to. And I just was struck with this overwhelming truth that I'm often hit with more and more these days, that this world is not our home. It's not our home. And it's not easy living in a world when you know that this world is not what it was meant to be. And sometimes you just have to stop and acknowledge that. And we're never promised. Jesus never promises that this life is going to be easy, that the life he's called us to to live in this place and time is going to be easy. But in the midst of all this, my family was sharing some stories about this uncle that I had that, that passed away this week. And uh, he, he was a, a really great man. He really was like a pillar of faith for our family. For many, I mean, he served, dedicated his life to ministry. He, he worked uh, alongside Campus Crusade for Christ for many years. And in the latter part of his life, he served in local ministry. He uh, preached. Uh, he was an associate at another church. But over the last decade, he, you know, had been diagnosed with dementia. And we all just kind of watched this slow decline as this very vibrant, outspoken man just slowly became a shell of what he once was. Last summer, we had the opportunity to have a family reunion, and, and for those of you that might know what this is like, I mean, by this point, I mean, he was bound to a wheelchair, and for the most of, of our time, he just kind of sat there with his head 
bowed down and really not seeming to be aware of anything else that was going on. But a couple of years ago, uh, he came to visit my, my parents in Tulsa, and, and, and he could still walk at this time, but his mind was, was pretty well gone at that point. And um, they went to visit this place in downtown Tulsa called the Center of the Universe. If you look it up, it's this really strange phenomenon. They're right there in the middle of downtown Tulsa. There's this pedestrian walkway, and in the middle of this walkway is this circle of bricks in the, in the, in the walkway. And it's really strange. If you ever go there, you, when you stand in the middle of the bricks and you say something, you hear your voice echo back, and it's really loud. It's, it's, no one can really quite explain why it does what it does. And then there's, there, you know, when you stand outside of that circle, you could be right next to someone just five, six feet away, and when they talk, their voice is really muffled. The legend has it that if you stand in the very center and you play, like, sound a foghorn, that the people outside the circle wouldn't even be able to hear it. Now, I don't know if, if that is quite true, but, but it is a weird, it's a really weird thing. And so people come from all over, and they just, it's just they come, and they travel, and kind of check it out, and they stand in the circle, and, you know, they're encouraged to say something. They might shout, hey, or shout the name of the person that they're with. Maybe they'll sing a little song like Mary Had a Little Lamb or Old MacDonald. But my family was there that day, and, and everyone was kind of trying it out and shouting different things. And then all of a sudden, my uncle spoke up. And he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And here is this man that lived such a life of faithfulness that even when his mental capacities were not there, he still just exuded the gospel. It just poured out of him because that was so much a foundation of his life. Here he was at the center of the universe, and it was very clear that Jesus was the center of his universe. And when I hear those stories and when I think about people like that, it reminds me of what I want my life to be built upon. I might not know the best way to cope with and handle the things that life throws our way, but I do know that I always must start by building my life on the only foundation that brings true hope. And today, as we worship together, I want us to remember that maybe we don't have some answers to certain things. We don't know maybe how to respond to certain things, but we do know where to start. And if we start in the right place, we don't need to worry about everything else. So today, as we sing songs, as we sing songs of gratitude and thanksgiving, as we cry out to God for maybe things that are going on in our life, I just want this to be a time where you can truly worship Him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you humbly. We recognize that your ways are so far above our own. And I just pray that today we can set aside all the thoughts that are distracting set aside the things that are our burdens to us and that we can truly come to you and, and give you our praise, give you our thanksgiving. We can come to you with our prayers, with, with whatever it is on our hearts. I pray that we would be people that so build our foundation in you that, 
our lives just exude the good news of the gospel. That everything that we are would be about you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and join us in worship this morning? Change the 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever stopped to think, like, like why is it that whenever Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, that one of the things that he told them to pray is, you need to pray for, for the Father's kingdom to come and the Father's will to be done. The reason is because you have a kingdom. I have a kingdom. You live in a kingdom. I live in a kingdom. And every single one of us are going to align with a kingdom. Many of us don't get to decide the kingdom that we live in, but we do get to decide the kingdom that we will live for. And so whenever it comes to how we will respond to the kingdom, it, 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 we're, we're really just faced with a, a few options. We can conform to the kingdom. That's by far the easiest option. We can allow the kingdom to, to, to decide or to, you know, to, to, to determine how, how we're going to uh, form our, our, our view, of, our, our beliefs, our, our view of truth. We can allow the kingdom that we live in to become our hope. We can oppose the kingdom. And man, this will get some people fired up. 
People love to oppose something. And at times, there, there, there will be times whenever we do need to oppose the kingdom that we live in. But we must be careful when opposing the king, kingdom that we live in. Because the problem is, is that at times, whenever we oppose the kingdom, sometimes we're not doing it in, in, in terms of trying to, to point people to hope or point people to, to what's right. But at times we oppose so that way people can know that we're right. So that way people can know that they're wrong. And whenever it comes to being a Christian... We, are, we, we, we must be people who are willing to offer hope and offer redemption. And, and too often, whenever we try to oppose, we offer none of those things. So the third way that we can respond is with hope. That we truly have pain for this broken world that we find ourselves in. And you want to offer an alternative to this broken world that we find ourselves in. It's not hateful. It's not prideful. It's hopeful. It's pointing people back to Jesus. And so for the next few weeks, we want to take a look at the story of, da uh, of Daniel. And I believe that this story of Daniel is so, so relevant to our culture today. You know that in, in Daniel's time that there were conformers to the culture. We'll read all about that in Daniel chapter 3. There were so many conformers to the culture. We know that there were probably some who were opposing the culture in, in, in Daniel's day. But we know for a fact that there were at least a few who decided that they were going to offer hope. Daniel and his friends had come from this place of nobility, this place of power. They were good looking, they were smart, they had the entire world in front of them, but they had been ripped from their culture. And now they're effectively living as prisoners of war in Babylon. You see, sometimes God will allow us to go places where we never wanted to go. And whenever we find ourselves in those places, we will learn that God is with us even in the places that we never wanted to go. Because of no fault of their own, Daniel and his friends, they, 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 their, their, their hope for success or power had been greatly dimmed. But even in that place, God was with them. Daniel and his friends, where they were placed into a culture that had no use for their beliefs or the, or, or the life that God desired for them to live. But still in that place, God was with them. And increasingly, this is becoming more and more true of our culture today. As more and more people and people of power are trying to change what a Jesus follower is to fit into some sort of a 21st century mold. But in this place today, God is with us. Daniel and his friends, they were placed into a culture that wanted them to forget who they were. And they wanted them to forget where they had come from. Their culture wanted Daniel and his friends to, to simply just conform, to simply just become like them. And they tried to do this by changing their identity. They, I mean, they, they literally changed their, 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 their names. And, and back, back in that day, names were such a big, big deal. The, Daniel and his friends had, had these names like Daniel, which means God is my judge. Azariah, which means Yahweh is my help. Hananiah, which means Yahweh has been gracious. And Michelle, which means who is what God is. And they were given these, the, the, these Babylonian names that were dedicated to Babylonian gods like Belteshazzar and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They, after they were made prisoners of war, they were likely made eunuchs. They had their language changed. They had their clothes changed. They were, they, they, they were re-educated. I mean, they were simply brainwashed so they would forget what it was to, to think like a Hebrew, and they would begin to think like 
a Babylonian, and they changed their diet from the traditional Jewish diet to the royal diet with royal food and royal wine, simply the best of the best. But in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, we see these words, and they are some of the most powerful words. They might be words that each and every one of us need to go right on our mirror, right in some place that we know we're going to see it multiple times every day. It says that Daniel determined not to defile himself. Daniel determined not to defile himself. I know I've told you guys this story before, but I remember being at a church where there was a fight anywhere I wanted to look. I mean, it was not hard to find somebody who was upset about anything. And, and I remember talking to one of my mentors nearly on a weekly basis during this time. And, and every time that I would call him, he would end up asking me this question. Andy, is this the hill you want to die on? There is so much wisdom in the question, is this the hill that you want to die on? Is this the hill? Is this the decision that you are willing to sacrifice your influence with a group of people? Is this the hill? Is this the decision that you're willing to sacrifice relationships? Is this the, the hill? Is this the, the, is this the time that you're willing to sacrifice the opportunity to be able to share the hope that you have in Jesus with another group of people? Is this the hill that you are willing to die on? Or is this the time where where you can point people to the faithfulness of God, to where you can make the most of it as you may only have one chance. And so they, they changed the identity. They changed the language. They changed the diet. And out of all those things, it seems like that the diet should have been the smallest of them all. But yet it was the diet that Daniel decided to push back against. It's just food, right? It seems to me that it would be just such a small compromise. And we are so good at taking small compromises and justifying small compromises. But here's the thing about all those small compromises. There's not a person who one day just woke up and said, I don't want to believe in Jesus anymore. But instead, over a period of time, over a period of time, they took these small compromises and they just continued to compound them on top of each other to where this one small compromise all of a sudden created this great chasm between them and the life that Jesus desired for them to live. Because whenever we be choose to compromise on something in Scripture, we open the door to compromise on anything in Scripture. And out of everything that the Babylonians were trying to do to Daniel and his friends, out of all the things that they were trying to change, there was only one thing that came with a biblical mandate, and it was their food. Do not eat things that are unclean. Do not eat things that have been sacrificed to pagan idols. And so Daniel is saying, I'm going to show you that God is here. In the middle of captivity, God is here. This story is not a story as we go through these next few weeks. It's not a story to say how great Daniel and his friends are. I hope that we can get inspiration from them, and I hope that we can learn something from them. But this story is to say, even when things look bad, that God will remain faithful. And in verse 17 of Daniel 1, it says this, To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. He gave him this great, great wisdom as he moved through this culture that was opposed to his God. Daniel and his friends did not choose their circumstances. But they did have decisions to make because of their circumstances.
Church, you may not have chosen your circumstances, but you do have decisions to make because of your circumstances. And so let me ask you a few questions here. How do we as Jesus followers in a culture that is becoming less and less interested in faith, how do we live as Jesus followers in this culture that's becoming less and less interested in faith? How do we remain faithful among the faithless? How can we live in this kingdom while living for God's kingdom? The good news is, is that Jesus gave us a little bit of an answer in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is sending his 12 disciples out, his 12 closest friends, his, his, his 12 closest followers out to do ministry among the people. And he tells them to get ready, to, 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 to be prepared because some people are going to love and accept you because of their, their relationship with Jesus. But others are going to hate and reject you because of your relationship with Jesus. And so then Jesus gave them this one key piece of advice. He said this, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and be as innocent as doves. Jesus is telling them to be wise yet still be loving. Therefore, don't go around picking fights. Whenever you live like Jesus, there will be times whenever the fight will just simply come to you. There will be times whenever people want you to pick a box to, to, to fit in. And you'll have to say, no, 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 no. I'm not good with either one of those boxes. Because I'm going to stand on the truth of Jesus and his word. Being a Christian is not always about just being right. Being a Christian is about living in the hope that comes from Jesus and sharing that with everyone and everywhere you go. But... If you are only as shrewd as a snake, you will be manipulative. You will be hurtful. You will be jaded. You will always be looking for the worst in a person or a situation. You will be prideful with no regard for others. But if you're only as innocent as a dove, well, you'll be gullible. You'll be naive. You'll continually be hurt, failing to guard your heart. And you'll be set up to be swallowed up by the evil of this world. But if you can find this balance, you can gain the perspective and the wisdom that God gave Daniel. You will know when to take a stand and you will know when to stay quiet. You will know how to live in this kingdom while also living for God's kingdom. So the question is today, which kingdom are you going to live for? The kingdom of the momentary or the kingdom of eternity? But before you answer that question, I have two more questions for you, and these are huge. Do you really believe Jesus rose from the dead? Think about it. Like, like do you really, really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Are you ready to stake your life on the fact that Jesus really rose from the dead? And do you really believe that Jesus is who Jesus claims to be? Because if your answer is yes to those questions, then Matthew 10 is for you. You are like sheep among wolves. Don't be surprised whenever culture doesn't agree with you, and don't let it make you judgmental. Become a judgmental, arrogant Christian. Instead, be a light in the darkness. Be shrewd as a snake. Have a plan. But also be innocent as a dove. Have hope. And through it all, Remember that Jesus is with you. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you 
for the hope that we have in you. And Father, I pray today that you will do incredible things in our hearts and in our spirits, that you will help us to be as shrewd as snakes, that you'll help us to be as innocent as doves, that you will help us to have a perspective that is aligned with your perspective, Jesus. That you will give us the wisdom to know when to speak up and when to stay quiet. And that you'll help us to know that even whenever it is our turn to speak up, that you will give us the wisdom and the boldness to know how to do that properly and with love, looking out for the best of everybody involved, all while pointing people to you. So Jesus, we love you and we need you. And I pray that over the next couple of weeks, as we continue to look at this story of Daniel, God, that you will give us insights into your heart and into what it looks like to live in this world today. Jesus, thank you so much for the life you lived and for the death that you died and for the hope that we have in your resurrection. It's in your mighty and powerful name I pray. Amen.
song that we're going to sing. Uh, it's a little bit of a classic one in my eyes. I grew up singing this song, uh, maybe what felt like every Sunday. And on Sundays like this, where we get to spend a lot of time in worship, I like to pull out some of these songs that uh, I feel like hold a lot of truth and, and just... Uh, As we sing this next song, uh, pay attention to the lyrics, and as you sing them, uh, feel free to just meditate and enjoy and listen. Light of the world, you step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see 
time of communion this morning and uh, as you walked in you might have seen some tables around the room and uh, we want you to feel free uh, during this time to, to move around the room and get communion if you want to or if you want to group up and get with friends or get with family and take communion together um, and spend some time in prayer uh, we're going to play this next song and uh, this is a time for you to do just that just move around the room and uh, meditate on the lyrics of these songs and think about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice uh, for our sins this morning. Uh, so go ahead and feel free uh, to move.
here with us, right next to us right now, God, in, in everything that we're doing, in our happiness, in our joy, in our good times, and in our sadness, and in our sorrow, and in our bad times, Father. We just ask that as we leave these four walls today, we would carry that reminder with us this morning that you're here and no matter what is going on in our world and, and in our lives, God, that you're up to something good. In your son's name we pray. Amen.